Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to this new episode of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia coming to you on yet another weekend. Uh, as I promised last weekend, we did have two podcasts, one on history one uh, and the other on politics. So you had uh, the best of both worlds in that. Uh, um, and this uh, this uh, week, it's a special podcast. So we're not doing a news of the week podcast, but we're doing we're focusing on something that happened in the last week. Something that has set the Twitter Twitter world, the internet on fire, and something that it needs it needs a lot of debating because of what we're seeing is the intolerance happening in the academic circles around the world. So I'm very pleased to introduce my guest this week on Mind Podcast. With me is Rashmi Samant. Uh, she's the first Indian woman to be elected the president of the Oxford Student Union. Is a student at the Oxford University in UK, but. A recent what happened in the last week after her election just you know uh, prompted so many strong reactions including mine where I was shocked with what happened so we have her on mind podcast to talk about that to share her side of the story and you know to have a discussion on what is happening in university campuses hi Rashmi welcome to mind podcasts hi Ardit thank you so much for having me yeah so kind so, introduction <laughs> no no you 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 absolutely i mean you've been outstanding uh, this week kudos to you for standing up for what you believe in so um first of all you know i i have to ask you rashmi like how does it feel like the last week probably all, all your phones have been blowing up with messages and all sorts of things right so can you tell everyone what happened sort of uh, you know because people have read reports people have read reports that were based on your tweets or your statements or certain instagram posts or god knows what right but i would like you to just give a brief introduction of what happened and then we'll go into the the, the you know the crux of the debate right so uh, i won the election and then there was just chaos i guess <laughs> so to put it very aptly there was just too much chaos um basically uh after winning the election there was a lot of bullying happening through anonymous accounts and then after that there were a bunch of old social media posts that were being dug up from my instagram and then the captions were misconstructed and misinterpreted to sort of paint me as somebody who hated the jewish community somebody who hated the chinese community somebody who hated the trans community and um, this um, entire narrative was taken to various student newspapers it was taken to um, a bunch of places and you know there was this huge outcry that i have to resign um, i did apologize i did issue an apology saying that whatever i said and did and uh, to note is a very important factor that these were captions from five years ago from when i was 17 and it wasn't something outright offensive you know that anybody would find outright offensive it was just normal captions just poorly constructed so things <laughs> so you believe it was and it, they were taking it out of context they were taking you out of context and they were basically just saying like using something you might have just you know said so five years ago and it's not even in the right thing and you, they were using to further their political social agenda well i don't want to say that they had any political or social agenda uh, but phrase ideological ideological yes <laughs> ideological agenda it was an attempt to further their ideological agenda and it got so toxic that 
they did not want to hear my side of the story when I tried to tell that, hey, this was why I put it and this was why I put it. And it's not offensive because, you know, it's my culture and, you know, it's 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 how I, you know, was thinking at that time. And they were like, no, you have to apologize and show enough remorse. And that was the call of the hour. And then I thought, OK, fine, like, let me apologize, because there seems to be some people who like, you know, there's so much outcry. So maybe apologizing would, you know, like m mediate the situation. And to note of this, I took down all my social media posts like two minutes, like two hours after winning the election. I literally archived everything and like cleared everything because it was causing so much outcry. And then when. Please, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. When when I did apologize people replied to my apology saying your apo apology is not genuine enough it's not you know uh it's it's not you know it, it's pathetic it's just i'm literally like groveling that please like i'm really sorry and then you know i was told that this is not done this is not done you have to step down and then i stepped down and even after stepping down there have been there's been so much said and done about me on anonymous pages on anonymous messages yeah. to my email to my personal accounts it's just been harassment and then there was this faculty member who wrote this appalling yeah. post about me my parents my religion and it's still out there in the public domain Absolutely. and, yeah. and then yeah. my, uh, not interrupting but mind make we don't want to dignify that uh, idiot with, uh, uh, you know, with reading out the post because it was a pathetic post. But for for transparency's sake, mind makers, we at Mindmakers, we did do a report, and we do have we have carried those screenshots of all his posts, guys. So, and I will tweet the link to the report as well, guys. So please do take a look. But it is absolutely disgusting what he has done. Uh, apparently now, if you talk, uh, if you talk about um, Lord Ram, uh, that is communal according to the faculty. Yeah. So that is what. But let me ask you this, uh, Rashmi. This is this is incredible, right? I mean, no student has should have to go through this in college. You know, I uh, I I am uh, not as old as people who follow me on Twitter thing, and I'm not as young as people who go to college might think I am. That's a self very flattering remark I'm giving for myself. I'm kidding, of course. But my bottom line is, I went to I was in I finished my bachelor's more than a decade about a decade ago, right? And I can. I can pretty much say that during college, sometimes our opinions were forming, right? You you would have an opinion and you would not hold on to it. The issue and the professors would actually help you navigate through their opinion, right? You, it, but it almost seems like the professors have an ideological compulsion to sound a certain way. And my God, if they if they display an open mind and embrace all kinds of opinion, including those that disagree with it. I don't know, God, you know what might happen. So here you are, a student is who's saying that I'm, I am, I am, I am uh, okay accepting all points of view, and I want to hear what everyone says. And you have professors saying no, only one point of view is correct. What the heck has happened? Like, you know, is is has has it been your experience that more and more of this culture is being disseminated on campuses across the world? Well, um, I haven't been to another campus apart no, from when you talk to other students. I meant like when you talk to your friends, you know, uh, people who have been to other universities in India or maybe in US or anywhere. Do you see do you get that sense? Well, to be very honest, I am an engineer and I go to the MPLS division in Oxford, which is nothing but the most wonderful place because we are all engineers and we talk science and technology and logic. And I've never had 
I've never been exposed to this kind of conversation. And I think it was in, I was rather foolish to run for an election that's usually, you know, that's usually dominated by the social sciences and the humanities yeah. department. And I did not know that, you know, this is the scenario. And I thought, oh, wild card entry, it's okay. You know, I'm going to add some, you know, new, new colors into the uh, scenario. And then all this happened. And that's why I was more unprepared than ever, because my, my department even now is, most is is the most wonderful the most supportive place the most you know it, it's the healthiest place because we talk about problems of the world in a very technical sense and you know we, we're all about solving it with you know with technology oh. with logic with you know proper budgeting and armoring yourself and it, it's all about solving real problems and I've never had this kind of conversation ever with students on other campuses because all we talk, even if we are, is about, oh my God, we have a good teacher teaching us this subject or yeah. that subject. And we've had, you know, this this going on in our labs or that going on in our labs yeah. and we've got funding for this and we think there must be more funding for that. And that's that's about it. And yeah. talking about no, no, I, I agree completely. I mean, I, uh, first of all, uh, you said the magic words that you're an engineer. I'm an engineer myself, and I completely agree with you that our, our conversations are all about solving the problems and stuff like that. And it's 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 the most chilled out place, engineering colleges that you can think of. Um, uh, go go visit some engineers, guys. Uh, you know, and we you know what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, and it is the most engineering colleges are some of the most diverse colleges across the world. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, if you go to America, if you go to UK, so this whole concept of diversity and inclusion, it's actually inherently built into many engineering colleges where you do have people coming across the world, where you have professors coming across the world teaching you. And you know your collaborative collaborative efforts are there, so I I I can attest to the fact. But what surprises me, Rashmi, and and here is there is a very interesting thing, right? What you said that I'm not from the humanities thing, which is typically from where you know people who run for president, you know, might not be an engineer, and and that is such a that is such a wrong thing, uh, but it's a true. Uh, sort of feeling across the board we have where engineers don't run for office or engineers don't run for positions in universities. And sometimes it, it this is a message to all engineering students, guys, run for it and let nothing dissuade you, right? So do you think these target, targeting that they did or the cyber bullying that they did was to discourage future engineers to actually run for such positions or people who might have voted for you that, no, you're only going to vote for our guys? No, I wouldn't want to take the conspiracy that that that, that much ahead. But I don't think uh, that could have been the reason. But I think it was a, a total loss of context. And it was easier for them to de-platform me because I didn't know what this conversation was about or how you're supposed to react to these things when this happens or what this kind of diaspora is, you know, willing to accept or what kind of conversations they're having or, you know, what kind of response they want. Yeah. All you do in, in science is basically tell your side of things and then, you know, you have a uh, you have a discussion and then both of you decide what's the best course of action and yeah. that's it. And I thought that was going to happen and um, I was like, hey, like, listen, this is my perspective i think you need to hear my side of the story and then that got so vitriolic that you know yeah. she's not oh my god how dare she even you know 
know defend herself or tell her side of the story or even you know try to you know and even now like me condemning the the faculty is no nobody wants to talk about it the, the student community they don't want to talk about the fact that i was stopped i was harassed by a man almost twice my age yeah um on campus on mm -hmm. campus where i am an international student so this is this, this is a bunch of issues this is a bunch of issues and mm -hmm. i'm being you know specifically targeted my family is being specifically targeted my pictures are up there and this is a specific violation of a number of you know of a number of things you know a number of uh, stuff that's not allowed to happen and and my captions my social media captions they they qualify as you know they qualify as a number of things but this doesn't qualify as anything and there's no outcry out there whatsoever about you know it's just the hypocrisy of it i guess that you know uh, that a certain faction in our society just wants to go out on a limb for for things that they uh, that they uh, endorse uh, mm -hmm. and and not uh, and and you know stay completely silent about things that they do not uh, ideologically endorse even if it's appalling or even if it's disgusting and even if it's horrific they just do not want to you know uh, it's not about justice or it's not about doing the right thing it's just about you know furthering ideological agendas at this point no absolutely and the, and that that's exactly what i wanted to focus right when you when you talked about the professor and so forth right i was uh, not uh, you know going towards the conspiracy of you know there being a grand conspiracy but it is an inclination uh, you know for for like certain professors or students that uh, people who come to office or run for certain office should be from a certain ideological milieu or should function within their spectrum. So if you do come from a different ideological milieu, and I'm not even talking about political ideology, the way people might look at the world or the way people might interpret, you know, what is going on. I saw in the, in your, uh, statement that you published you talked about Cecil Rhodes and so forth and we'll come to that we'll come to your statement in just a second right um, I think it might have been the their strong reaction sometimes is also to discourage people who might think contrary to what they're saying that oh if you if you actually come um, so we're going to target go after you and it's intimidating right not everyone is might be as brave as you have been since the whole event to come and give your point of view because i'm i'm sure you you've been sus subjected to vicious trolling from the other side also like people have been saying all sorts of things i'm sure there are there have been thousands and millions of messages and support that have come you know your way too and i'm glad people have stood up but it, it is it is hard and and when academic careers are at stake people you know do sort of take a step back so how do you know how do you look at things in that context I, I i for me it's personal i just feel like i couldn't live with the fact that you know there's a narrative out there which is so vicious and you know that i wanted to say my side of things so it was something i really wanted to do and that's the only thing that's keeping me going even through this trolling this you know this vicious attack i mean i know that people have been super supportive in fact people from around the world have reached out this has become sort of a global issue now and people from around the world have reached out but but you know it's easier for the human psychology to focus on the negative things and kind of make that the center point of you know one one point of criticism makes you feel like you know that that was the product of your whole day despite you know you getting yeah. 10 times the positive you know reinforcement Absolutely. and it's, it's 
very difficult it's very difficult it's mentally very difficult because you're a human by the end of the day and you know and everybody is talking about you so for them they're just talking about one person but for you it's each person just talking about you on and on and on and having these opinions and half of them don't even know you so it's it's no and you want them to focus on the issue right you want them to focus on what the professor had said or what you had said in the statement of what had happened after the student election took place but they don't focus on that they are focusing on what you might have had to say or why you know the person rather than the issue because the issue is so troubling like are they going to do that now like for people who may post something that they disagree with are they like they shouldn't even stand for student elections like what is the message we are sending out here i have no idea what what the message is going out or what just happened because you know i'm somewhere i'm still coming to terms with what really happened and you know this was so multi-layered because you know there was this faculty there were the students there were like a bunch of allegations and half of them i still i'm truly you know trying to comprehend what, what, what went wrong so it's it's really like it, it's a bunch of things and it's so multi-layered with everybody being involved there's the issue of um, uh, there's the issue of colonialism. There's the there's the issue of transphobia. There's the issue of uh, racism. There's this issue of anti-Semitism. There's this issue of Islamophobia. There's this issue of uh, being Sanatani. And there are so many issues that I feel like I suddenly need to you know uh, probably take a tour of the social sciences department. How is you being how is you being uh, a proud Hindu uh, perceived as Islamophobic now by certain people in this? Like, what has what has that to do with anything? I think uh, the best answer would be the author of the post, which is uh, a, a faculty at the history department, so very qualified to give you an answer. Yeah. Uh, probably been an academic for years before writing that post, so. <laughs> probably knows so much more than me and probably has a befitting, you know, uh, explanation so as to why it was deemed appropriate. But from my side of things, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, you know, that it's just, it's just, I think maybe, you know, the negative connotation of our religion across the world. Mm -hmm. There's been, I think, of late, a little bit of negativity going around mm -hmm. Hinduism and that, you know, it's, it's a bit radical or, you know, that it's a bit, there's been a slight negative connotation. So maybe that has to do with the bias. No, I don't think so. I think because if 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 uh, what I mean, if what he reads in one or two news reports has uh, has that impact, that much impact on him analyzing why you shouldn't be a student body president, then that means he's already made up his mind and he's he might be hiding under the cover. Right. Uh, folks, if I mean, I'm going to take a slight detour. A lot of people uh, in the previous episode, actually, that we did on Mind Makers, we talked to Vishal Ganeshan, who was actually chronicling the history of Hindus in America. And we actually talked a little bit about this, that how do Hindus who are born in America who are don't, don't uh, you know aren't raised in India, so their con con connotation of Hinduism is very different from what we might be. I was born and raised in India. You are in India right now. Um, you know, it might be very different from what they is. So he he was actually alluding to this that how. Uh, you need to how the diaspora also needs to you know phrase the debate a little differently. What is surprising um, is is the fact that you had to tell this in your statement that the fact that I'm a Hindu in no way makes me intolerant or unfit to be the 
president of Oxford uh, Students Union. Contrary to this, I understand the value of diversity in true sense through my exposure to the intricacies, uh, you know, of the development in mind. I mean, Hinduism by definition inherently is pluralistic. So, I mean, and the fact is we have to clarify this is unbelievable, right? In statements after statements. So how do you respond to that? How do I respond to that? Um, that, that was my response. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I'm saying, how do you, I, I was going, referring back to my first question. Like, how do you respond to like the professors and stuff asking for such clarifications? I'm, I'm saying the fact is you should not be, even you should not even be doing these clarifications, right? The fact is they are deliberately misrepresenting it and it's kind of troubling. So how would you respond to that? I think they know what they're doing. So my response is not going to change the, what they, yeah. you know, their mind or their opinion, or it's no, not no. going to stop them from making such statements in the future, or it hasn't stopped them in the past either. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm barking up, um, uh, to deaf ears, but again, <laughs> I would like to repeat my statement, I guess, <laughs> to them <laughs> one last time in hopes that please listen. <laughs> no, because I, the reason why I quote the statement or ask you questions about it is unfortunately our world has become so audio video centric that even though I I might have read the statement and a you know, thousand others might have read the statement, a lot of people are going to come to this video and completely miss the statement or might not have read the statement and there are some salient points of it that I would like reinforced you know while we are having this conversation because they're very important points I mean you know so and when you said that basically this is this is this was truly a historic election right uh, the first Indian woman to win uh, the, fa the fact is engineers when when we run for anything in any university it is historic so <laughs> engineers stay away from it you know as well as I do <laughs> engineers are like is <laughs> you know that is our general attitude to everything so uh, you know I, I, I let this not discourage you from uh, uh, doing this but basically what is shocking is your parents were dragged into all this by the professor like you know, this is the funny thing is the professor is the one who's acting like a high school kid and the student over here is taking the high ground by uh, moral high ground by actually writing a post, a proper post. And the professor is putting out Instagram posts. I mean, what kind of a troll is this fellow? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just the controversy is unbelievable. This guy is like a chota muta troll or what? <laughs> and think of it, the Chota Motor Troll is still teaching and, you know, academics, world-class academics uh, come out of uh, the school he teaches at. So I, I think the, it, it's out there for judgment at this point. Uh, I don't want to make any judgments, but it, it's just out there for judgment, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. But I want you, Rashmi, to talk a little bit about what you said about Cecil Rhodes in the statement which is such an important, important point, right? But Cecil Rhodes is the man behind Rhodesia, as a lot of people might not even know the term Rhodesia. Look it up, guys, and how the term Rhodesia came into being, right? And how it was such a terribly, uh, you know, uh, uh, horrible track record that he had. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you talked about Cecil Rhodes in the statement and what prompted you to take the stance that you did on him? 
Well, uh, it came from a debate uh, well before the election when, you know, questions were raised. Why are you running on a platform of decolonization? That was my platform. I promised that if I win, I would decolonize the entire syllabi of the mm -hmm. university. Oxford and take down all statues on campus of former slave owners. That was literally my manifesto. Mm -hmm. So the questions asked were like, why are you trying to decolonize? Uh, because it brought about globalization without which billions more would be uh, in poverty mm -hmm. and the audacity of that question. So I took a stand that you know, that I am trying to bring about decolonization because we on our campus still have these slave owning figures uh, hiding under the guise of philanthropy. For instance, the Rhodes Trust. We have a Rhodes Trust which brings in um, a lot of money as scholarships and it's doing a good thing, but it is a bad person and his legacy hiding under the, uh, you know, hiding under the guise of philanthropy. That's why I took a and that he was no worse than Hitler himself. Yeah, Hitler. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a stand I took because I wanted to bring in the sentiment that we share, like, you know, that it cost millions of people their lives and it was equally bad. And that mm -hmm. colon colonialism was a bad experience. It wasn't something positive or, you know, I feel like the global north is very far removed geographically and, you know, historically from the sufferings of the global south. Yeah, and, so, and, and, and you are not demeaning uh, anything, right? The fact that you have to clarify, it's just unbelievable. Like I, I, in your statement, you are actually saying that actually I'm, I'm telling you what happened in Africa was just as bad as it may have happened in other, other parts of the world. And instead of being questioned for it, Cecil Rhodes is being honored across. And decolonization is very important because the British history, like, um, is being perceived like you cannot, they can't just whitewash the history of what, what has happened just in the decade, in the, the century that preceded us by just saying that, ye to dekho, last 20 years we have become so diverse that uh, uh, tikka masala is our natural national food. I mean, what the hell? Like, like that is supposed to whitewash the what happened 100 years ago, right? We're, we're so culturally diverse. I think Britain is culturally diverse. I think Britain is doing, taking important steps right now. You have someone like a Preeti Patel, who's the Home Secretary right now, uh, uh, you know, and an Indian origin sort of British politician. There have been progresses made, but that doesn't mean that you can't talk about the past. And or, or that doesn't mean that you completely look at the past with this past with this rose tinted eyes. Right. And again, I can't believe academics are the one who are discouraging this. They are supposed to encourage this, that you talk about this, write a paper, write a piece, and then they respond back to it. with a piece. I mean, do, are we actually telling academics that the response to a book is a book and not an Instagram post? <laughs> this is... <laughs> this is a classic example of cancellation. Basically, I got cancelled from everywhere, like delete. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So yeah. this was basically it. And, you know, it's easier on social media than, you know, writing an academic paper or coming to a forum because then you have to be charged with facts and not, mm -hmm. you know, false accusations. And false accusations, they have a certain life cycle on social media, on, you know, all these virtualic platforms, which I'm now mm -hmm. considering leaving because because yeah. of what's happened and you know it, it's it's just sad that you know um 
I think part of the reason is because the academics, academic in this case, knew that he didn't have enough uh, facts to mm-hmm. you know, substantiate it on anything. And it was just a bunch of, you know, imaginary connotations based on a bunch of notions that he's had. And, you know, he just chose to use the social media because, you know, that's where the bullies are lo- the loudest. That's where, you know, that's where you can say anything and people will believe you f- for the face of it and not, not bother whether it's substantiated enough. So, no, absolutely. And I, th- I think it's, uh, well, complete your point and then I'll come in. What were you saying? Yeah, sorry. No, no, that's it. I was just no, rambling. No, no, what I was telling you was that Absolutely, that is the case. But the fact is, don't don't leave these platforms because ultimately this sort of helps. But you are raising some very important points and let the bullies not dissuade us in raising those points. Because if we if we stop, uh, you know, uh, raising the questions that we do, their narrative succeeds and one doesn't want that. Right. So so. By the way, how does this work now? Now that you have resigned, or do they have another election for the students union, or what does it do? Or he gets a election. Okay, and then have have you been approached by people like who told you please reconsider the decision or something like that after you did, or has there been no support like that from the community itself? Well, uh, the community has reached out and they were like, they really, they really apologize for what happened and that, and that I deserved better. Mm-hmm. A bunch of them were, you know, courageous enough to do that in the public forum. Yeah. And, you know, the police came after them, trying to discredit them and mm-hmm. try to rip them off their positions. And, you know, there were demands for them to step down from whatever positions they were in. And then, you know, even the few people, you know, so this leads by example, right? So a few people yeah. come and vote in public and then, they get completely stripped in the public for doing that. So the rest of them were like, okay, fine. I think we'll just stick to her personal chats. So (laughs) there have been people wonderfully being supportive, but I feel like, you know, the negativity is so strong and so vocal that even if they're in the minority, they manage to scare off, you know, the rest of the people. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So basically you're saying the vocal, very vocal, intolerant minority it has tried to out drown out the tolerant majority because I mean, for starters, you won the election, so the majority will vote for you, right? I mean, it is it is out there. So and to and to make a note, all of my social media captions were public during yeah. the campaign, before the campaign, for the entire duration that I've known my voters. So if they had any issue, they could have very well raised it during the campaign or just before voting me. In, like, you know, they could have just dropped me a message. Hey, what's this about? Or are you this? No, I don't think the, I don't think they had an issue with you contesting. I think they had an issue with you winning. <laughs> it's okay for her to contest, but how the hell dare she win? So that is, that is, you know, this is the classic uh, t- uh, intolerance of the tolerant, uh, the tolerant quote unquote liberals that they say that uh, they, they, they are absolutely okay disagreeing with you as long as you don't get challenged their position of power. But the minute you do, how the hell dare you disagree with my point of view? And, and I have this, this, this problem, this cancel culture on academic campuses or the refusal to have a larger debate is just basically killing academic discourse everywhere. I mean, wouldn't student discourse be just so much healthier if they actually would come to you with issues that they might have with what you said 
and rather than like have a have a public debate yeah why this rubbish sort of you know backstabbing on social media and things like that aur baat karo social media pe but that's not how you resolve issues are we going to resolve issues like that so it's it it it, it does pain me but let me ask you this and we'll uh, moving uh, to sort of the 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 final part of the questions and i want to ask you this question would this dissuade you to think about you know taking like positions on campus on certain issues which you might find controversial i'm asking very honest question because i i don't i cannot get into the minds of students because i'm not a student myself right now and i don't know how the campus culture is right now it is to for 10 years ago but i would think many students you know are worried and scared that is this going to cause more controversy in my you know academic career well i've been discredited uh, a lot i mm. think there's nothing left to you know discredit me on mm. so i think i'm going to take a stand because whatever i say or do is not going to damage me more after this <laughs> all that, the damage that, i say more power to you that is that is very brave of you for for saying you know what you do what you did but i i i certainly hope that more students like you know listen to this and get inspired and actually get run or come out in support talk to you talk to the people and question the faculty as well that that you can't just shoot and scoot right you can't just say something and get away with it you have to be accountable for what you said and if you are willing to accept or own up to the statements or the captions or the social media posts that you might have taken down then you know they shouldn't have a problem they should question you about it but they shouldn't target you about it but that's um, that's my thing one thing i wanted to tell you about the decolonization part right i have a lot of friends who are working on decolonization and um, when you go into an american academic campus it's very different from what you go you see on european academic campuses because the the, the whole colonization part especially with uk and india there are uh, there are certain people venerated in uk in a very different perspective and taken winston churchill is the biggest example where uk the perspective of churchill is one thing but if you ask a bengali about his role in the bengal famine you'll find a completely uh, uh, different response to it so how how does one deal with it right D- does one talk more about them does one speak truth to power so to speak or the, will 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 the effort have to come from india within with white papers about these people to bring it to the attention of uk as a student how do you think we should approach this i think by the end of the day you have to stand up for what you believe in so mm-hmm. unless and until indian state charge mm-hmm. and you know they they propagate and they you know they they stand their ground nothing is going to happen we just cannot sit tight and expect somebody mm-hmm. to do the work for us or somebody to you know advocate for us we have to do it like mm-hmm. i am doing it for myself like i my story was known to a bunch of people like you know but they couldn't do anything about it no matter how much they wanted to mm-hmm. so you have to take the charge and you have to do it so the change has to come from within india people in india should write white papers about it That's and true. only then you know only then the change is going to come because nobody you know cares enough about you know people have their own issues and nobody cares enough about others issues to you know sort of go out on a limb for, for them so 
No, and absolutely, and this is ultimately all, all a game of economic power. Also, suddenly, if we get certain economic powers, then people will start talking about our issues. But when it comes to cultural, historic, social issues, we have to bring out our stories before you know uh, they. Uh, we expect the others to own up to their mistakes, and and which is why, interestingly, what Shashi Tharoor said, and in Oxford about five six years ago, that fifteen minute speech that he gave went completely viral on social media about you know the damage that the British Empire. Did or the reparations debate um, was very interesting. Now, unfortunately, now Tharoor says a lot of other things on social media that I disagree with it. But do watch that speech uh, because because the fact is it hadn't been said for sixty five years, you know, in Oxford. So uh, uh, that's you know that is my sort of perspective on um, on this all. But one thing I want to ask you, uh, Rashmi. What has been your sort of takeaway from this? If I ask you key takeaway, because a week later, in the hindsight, we're all now a lot calmer, more sanguine after this whole controversy, right? I can't even imagine what you went through in the last 10 days. I mean, it's probably crazy. So what is your key takeaway from this? And how do you view everything you do 10 days after this? Well, uh, that, you know, nothing's as bad as it is at the moment. Everything, you know, everything's going to like, you know, come to a pass and, yeah. you know, people are going to move on and, you know, find a new victim. So <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I want to send a message to everybody that, you know, before you put out anything out there on social media about anybody, please do consider being in their shoes once especially you know before putting out any hate there our society has become so toxic that we can all you know use a bit of kindness out there yeah. and we should also you know give others the benefit of doubt yeah and you know we shouldn't be out there you know just to believe the worst in fellow human beings that should stop and that only that can you know help us you know go ahead you know, take our society ahead and, you yeah. know, start to remove the toxicity that's in there. So I guess a bit of kindness, um, a bit of consideration, giving others the benefit of doubt. And that's going to take us a long way. Absolutely. That's my key takeaway. Oh, it's, it's a lovely, lovely point. And then guys, don't say rubbish about anyone's parents here. Like, I mean, I, I don't know why it has to be said. Like, we live in a civilized world. Like, why the hell would you do this, right? Uh, if you have a question of someone, ask them the question. Hammer the question till you get a response. As a civilized person, write to them, tweet to them, you know, talk to them. But don't do not do all this uh, rubbish. And it's, it's incredible that we've come to this and that the whole cancel culture has come to this point that if you are saying that you are a Hindu, suddenly that makes you intolerant in their perspective. So now people people should like what? Start bashing their own religion that they believe in. I mean, you know, because that ultimately that was the crux. Like the title of your piece was basically, why are you demonizing? So isn't that strange that you find that suddenly for your beliefs, they're trying to demonize sort of your uh, statements? Yeah, and it's pretty much hypocritical that, you know, yeah. Your views don't, and you have these, so let me judge you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. But um, you've been very brave, Rashmi. More power to you. you. Uh, please, please speak up and uh, continue to speak up. Uh, don't let this dissuade you, and don't let this get away from you. Get away from Twitter. 
it's a wonderful place to interact with people from all. There are a few idiots uh, around, but that's okay. We 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 have a lot of fun in ignoring ignoring them. But one thing we have a tradition on Mind Podcast. We always end the podcast with a very light, non-political, non-newsy recommendations because essentially Mind Podcast is a political uh, news podcast. So, but any anything you want to recommend, any book you read, any movie you watched, any series you watched, anything that came to your mind, what did you do to unwind in the last ten days or twelve days? Well, I, I don't want to say anything on record because suddenly I think um, I just realized that you know there's been a lot of uproar on social media that you know this book is that this book is this, and there have been lots of racist connotations in almost every series now. Yeah. The cancel culture has found problem in everything. I don't want to get cancelled again by recommending oh, anything. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> any classic thing that you you would like? Anything? Okay. Um, the Godfather. It, it's a wonderful book. Absolutely. I think. And a great movie as well. Yeah, and a great movie as well. And a disclaimer: <laughs> I do not endorse any <laughs> violence <laughs> or phobia that it might ins- insinuate. <laughs> Just watch the story. <laughs> I'm not endorsing anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, unfortunately, we wouldn't have to do this game, but that is the whole, you know, uh, that is the whole tragedy of this whole debate. That I'm is, not scared uh, to say anything out there now. You don't, don't, be, don't, don't be, don't be. But, but maybe, maybe a, a few weeks later, we'll have you back on another podcast, and we'll take, we'll look at this four weeks out, four months out, and get your perspective on this or other issues, and it'll be a lot of. A lot of fun discussing. A lot it. of fun, definitely. Yeah. Um, my 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 recommendation, folks, uh, this week is uh, it's actually um, I I want you guys to look re, uh, you know read about a couple of regional authors that whatever language you are uh, in, if you speak Hindi, if you speak Gujarati, if you speak Kannada, find some regional books and read it. I have a lot of Gujarati authors that sometimes I read. I I also try to read Hindi books. Sometimes I find that when all we read is English books, all we read is books that are talking about contemporary or fiction or something, our worldview sort of uh, shortens to a very Western sort of culture of thing. But read some Indic books and broaden your horizon and see what these great men had to see, say. They did not say it in English. They said it in the language that you, that's our mother tongue. And sometimes when you find that, it's, it's fantastic. So that that is my recommendation. I'm, I'm I'm reading a couple of Gujarati books right now and some poems, and I'll 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 tweet the links out to those as well. Dhum Ketu is a brilliant author whose books we've um, reviewed as well on uh, my makers. But um, thank you so much, Rashmi, for joining us. Uh, this has been a truly wonderful conversation. And Likewise. Keep fighting the good fight. Uh, we'll we'll hope to have many such conversations with you in the future. Bye. And please subscribe to us on uh, YouTube, guys. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We'll be back with a new podcast very, very soon. Thank you all for joining Mindmakers this week.